I got a word for you from the book of 2 Kings. 2 Kings chapter 4, uh, if you want to turn there uh, in, in your Bibles, and we'll have it on the screen as well. 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1, it says this. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that he revered the Lord, but now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? I just want to pause here for a second because this is one of the most important questions that you could ever answer about your life is what do you have in your house? Let, let, let me just rephrase it so you can understand a little bit better. What, what do you have that God's given you? Not possessions, but, but what do you have? What do you have to use? What do you have in your house? Her answer is interesting. She says, your servant has nothing there at all, she said. Except, she's got nothing there at all, except a small jar of olive oil. Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside, shut the door behind you and your sons, pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. And then, this is really key to look at, then the oil stopped flowing. I, I want to talk to you just for a couple minutes uh, from the subject, the mystery of empty. The mystery of empty. I know for many of us, the empty is not a mystery. It's, it's, it's something that is empty. It's a lack. It's, it, it's space. But, but biblically, there is a mystery about the subject of empty. Anytime you see space in the Bible, God's about to do something. Anytime you see lack in the Bible, God's about to do something. Anytime you see something empty, God is about to do something. And so I want to talk to you about this, the mystery of empty. Now, I, I know in our culture, uh, empty is usually bad. In, anything that you have, you ever looked in the fridge? Empty fridge. It's, it's bad. I mean, it's like, it's, uh, I've told you this before. I can look in the fridge and there could be things in there, but I think it's empty. And then Jamie can go in there and she's like making all these meals and I'm like, are we working on the same fridge? Because there, we have a mystery of empty on our fridge, okay? Uh, empty garages, empty houses, empty lives, empty hearts, empty bank accounts. You know, empty's usually not good. It, 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 empty is not something that we're striving for. Hey guys, today we're gonna do our best to be empty. It, empty really is, is the root of depression is that there is some lack somewhere and people even describe it this way, I feel empty. I, I, I just feel like there's, there's nothing there. But I, wa I wanna talk to you from the scriptures about the mystery of, of empty. Life has, has a way of uh, exposing our empty places. Doesn't it? Life has a way of just accentuating the places or the, or, or the areas that we come up short in. We, we have a, a school here at the church, the academy, and, and uh, we're adding another grade this next year and, and uh, expanding, and, and uh, we have a preschool, and, and both my boys are involved, and, and uh, we have a spring showca showcase. We just had it, which is like an excuse to get the kids up on stage and for all of us to take a lot of pictures of them not doing what they're supposed to be doing. 
At least that's been my experience so far. And, uh, but this last one was the first time my boys are actually kind of like doing, well, one of them was doing what they were supposed to be doing. The other one was quite comedic. And uh, he, had, he had a button-up shirt, and he thought it was like a little adventure with his hand, and out, it's like a little snake, and then he's flashing people. And, and, and so I'm trying to video, because I'm like, that's what every good parent does, is like, if things go wrong, just make sure you get it on video. And so I'm videoing, and all of a sudden I get a notification, which you all know about this notification, you're out of storage. Yeah, so I'm like frantically deleting things, like, like great pictures of our family. I'm just in the garbage, because I, I have to capture this. I'm deleting everything, I'm trying to free up room. I'm, I'm, I'm transferring things to the cloud, which by the way, you ever thought about what would happen if the cloud went down? It has nothing to do with the message, but it was a fear as I prepared this. I'm thinking, oh, what would happen? Where would we be? Our memories are gone. We used to have photo albums, right? You know, anyways, uh, and, and so I'm deleting all of this space. I'm sending pictures to the cloud because there was a problem. I, w- I was out of space. And because I was out of space, I had no capacity to be able to capture a moment. So in order to capture the moment, I had to create space. Does it make sense? I had to to make room. I had to make some empty places on my photo stream so that I could refill them. And the only way I was able to take more pictures was to have an empty place. I'm gonna tell you this, there is a mystery in your empty. There is a mystery in your empty. There's a mystery in your loss. There's a mystery in your life. Because the things that we think are negative, I'm gonna tell you, the, the Bible has this interesting way of pivoting them. And the things that we thought were so negative and so bad, God has a way of twisting them around. Sounds like a scripture. Like the things that the enemy meant for evil, right? God will turn around for, for good. God doesn't, we say this all the time, God doesn't cause everything, but he does use everything. And, and, and God will use the difficulties of your journey, God will use the difficulties of your life, God will use the difficulties of your family, God will use the difficulties of your job, God will use all kinds of issues that you walk through to create for you space or emptiness, if you wanna say it this way. And I, I wanna give you a couple things about emptiness. Emptiness really is opportunity. Emptiness equals The biblical mystery of empty is that emptiness equals opportunity. We think emptiness equals depression. Emptiness equals a disadvantage. But according to the scripture, emptiness actually produces for us an opportunity. This is is what the text said. It said that this woman's husband had died. That the creditors were coming to take her boys because her husband had died and left her with two boys and a lot of debt. Debt that she was unable to pay. And the Bible says this, is that when she could not pay the debt, she went to the man of God. Side note, I'm just going to tell you this. You need to know where to go when you're in trouble. I found this to be true. You really find out what you depend on when you go through trouble. I mean, you can say you trust God. But it really shows in conflict. You don't know if you really trust God when everything's going your way. When you're making all kinds of money and everything's working for you and you got a great marriage and a great family and kids are listening, man, it's just like, man, I really trust God. No, you don't. That's just good, good things are happening. That's not trust. Trust is when things begin to go the opposite way and you still, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things 
not seen. That doesn't sound fun for anybody. I don't, I don't want to, I, I want to see it. I, I want to see it. But, but, but emptiness actually equals opportunity. This woman, she goes through a terrible season where she's experiencing lack. She has loss and she has lack. And she goes to the man of God and they begin to have this conversation and what she thought was the end for her was actually an opportunity for God to get glory in her life. See, you, you gotta understand this about the kingdom of God. Is the kingdom of God defines things differently than we do. We see emptiness, again, we think, ah, this is not good. God sees emptiness and he says, all right, let's get to work. We see emptiness and we think we did something wrong. God sees emptiness and he's about to do something right. We see emptiness, we're about to tap out on life. God sees emptiness and he's about ready to do a miracle. It, it, the kingdom of God is upside down. And emptiness, according to, to, to the scripture, emptiness actually translates into opportunity. Because I found this. If there had never been a crucifixion, there would have never been a resurrection. You don't need healing unless you were sick. You don't need a miracle unless you had a problem. We wouldn't even have church if everybody was just full and everything was going good. But we're here because we all identified some place where we have lack or we have loss and we need God. And that understanding of needing God is making space or it's creating empty places where we have to trust God. God will bring you into situations that will demand from you more than your ability can pay. So a lot of us, we, th we think, man, I'll just get through it, my talent, my gifting, but li life, has, life has this way. I just, I mean, I've seen rich people, I've seen poor people, I've seen people that are talented, people that have no talent, no matter what, where on the spectrum you are, life will find you. And at some point, you will experience loss and you will experience lack. And if you don't understand the mystery of empty, you will think some seasons are over before they're over. You will think some things are finished before they're finished. You think some things are hopeless before they're hopeless. Emptiness, it equals opportunity. I see emptiness as a problem. God sees emptiness as an opportunity. Emptiness as well is measurement, is measurement. I'll explain this to you, and I got some guys, I think they're gonna bring out some jars for us so we can kind of get a visual of this, so bring, bring them on out wherever you are. Abracadabra, I don't believe really magic. <laughs> close one. We got these jars here, and, and, and this is what happens, and this is how I wanna explain this. Emptiness equals measurement. This is what Elisha said to the woman. She has experienced lack, she's experienced loss, and he says, I want you to go and get as many jars as you can. And he says this, he says, and don't just get a few. He, he, he encourages her, it's like he knew something. And he said, don't just get a few. Get as many as you can. Now we know from verse two, when the man of God asked her what she had in her house, she said nothing except a small jar of oil. So the man of God says, I want you to take your small jar of oil and I want you to fill up the large jar. You ever, you ever felt like God gave you commands that didn't make sense? You know, we're all like super spiritual and we're like, yeah, the large jar will be filled by the small, no, that's impossible. Small, like, you know, it can fit in, like, this, this isn't, he says, I want you to pour out, which is just a side note, this is for free. 
The way God will use your life is not contained. It is poured out. Anything that you try to preserve, you'll lose. Anything you pour out, God can multiply. Uh, that's, I'm going to preach that one next week. Just, uh, he says, I want you to get as many jars as you can. And then he said, I want you to pour the small jar of oil into the large jar of oil. And it says, and she did. And she filled the next one. And she filled the next one. And she filled the next one. And the Bible says, according to our text, it says, and she filled up all the jars in the house. And then she said, hey, pass me another jar. And her son said, that was the last jar. And then we read this, and it says, and then the oil stopped flowing. Now, this sequence is very strategic because I need you to see this. When did the oil stop running? When they ran run out of space or when they ran out of resource? Out, out of space. So, so it wasn't that the oil ran out, it was that the space, so if they would have had more space, then they would have had more oil. So if she would have gathered more jars, there would have been more oil. She would have made more money if she would have had a little bit more faith. Because faith is what creates for you space. Life will create space, whether you choose it or not, but you also have the ability to make space for yourself. Listen to what the man of God told her. He says, you have a lack? You have an empty place? Okay, go get more empty places. That's what, that's what he told her to do. Oh, you ever been confused at what God's telling you to do? He's like, oh, you're a little empty? Great, go get some more emptiness. Like, that doesn't, this isn't working. This isn't working how? You know what, I think a lot of people, they, they, they want to live for God in hindsight. Which means this, I want to know how much oil I have so I know how to use it. And the reason that those people never do anything great for God is because the, the what they have is never multiplied because the only way that what you have is multiplied is if you find space to pour it into. So my gifting, my anointing, my calling is not limited to what God gave me when I was born. Some of you are like, wait a second. Because the resource never ran out. It ran out of space. So if I can step out in faith, I can create a flow of oil, a flow of resource, a flow of provision, a flow of anointing in my life. But people, we, we think this is faith, but it's not faith. We, we want to calculate. Faith doesn't calculate. We want to calculate, okay, what's in this small jar of oil? This is all I got? Okay, well, I can probably like, make a little difference in my family, maybe a couple people at my workplace, maybe. What, but, but that, what is in that oil is multiplied when I make space. So your emptiness is actually a measurement of what God can do through you. Your emptiness, your, the space that you create is actually a measurement of how God will move in your life. At some point, someone made the call that said, hey guys, we have enough jars, right? She's filling up the house. At some point, she said, okay boys, that's enough. We, we, we have enough jars. Her faith allowed her to gather a certain amount. But how much oil was there? Just think about it. Like, how long would the oil have flowed? What if she would have filled up the barn with jars? What if, what if she would have gathered the entire community and said, just bring, bring your jars? Maybe there was enough oil for more than her family. 
Maybe there was enough oil for the entire city. Maybe there isn't enough oil for the entire region because the problem was not the commodity, the problem was the space to put it. So if she would have created more space, God would have released more oil. And I'd like to say this to you today, that if you would begin to make space for God, God would begin to move. God responds to faith. He doesn't respond to calculations. He doesn't respond to your human strategy. He responds to faith. This is why Paul said, fight the good fight of faith because it's not easy to create space. That's why at the beginning of the year as a church we pray about the things that we feel God's asking us to do and we call them 10 risks. And I've had people come to me and say, Pastor, they're not risk. If God's asking you to do it, you need to have faith. I'm like, right. And we made this phrase to go on the tail on the, on the end of that. What looks like a risk to us is obedience to God. I've never had a step of faith feel like it's just normal. I have never had a step of faith that didn't feel like a risk, ever. Anytime I've stepped in faith, it's been in faith, which has been risky because I don't know if God's gonna come through. I don't know how he's gonna come through. I can't see it, that's why it's faith. But this woman, she goes to the man of God, she begins to pour her oil, and when there isn't a jar left, the oil stopped flowing. Her faith was measured by how much empty she created. Her faith was measured by how much empty she created. Can I tell you this? God's not gonna run out of oil. God, God didn't bless your neighbor, so now he doesn't have enough power to bless you. God blesses faith. God responds to faith. God responds to emptiness. God responds to space, which means if you're going through a difficult time in your life, that's great news for God because God likes to show up in difficulty. If you've been through some misfortune, that's a great opportunity for God to show up in your life. So instead of leaning on something else or filling yourself with something else, why don't you bring that emptiness to God, because the empty places in your life are the places that actually draw God to you. Like when you're discouraged, instead of running to something, run to God. It's like putting a jar out and saying, God, I don't know how this is gonna happen, but I need you. I don't know how I'm gonna get over this, but I need you. I don't know how I'm ever gonna be happy again, God, but I, see, what we do is we run to what we can see. Faith puts a jar out and says, God, I need you. I really need you. I don't know if I can forgive. I put a jar out, God help me forgive. And the oil responds to the emptiness. The oil responds to the space. All throughout your Bible, emptiness draws God. Emptiness, pain, hopelessness, discouragement is a magnet to the heart of God. The Bible even says this in the book of Psalms. It says God is close or comes close to those whose hearts are breaking, which tells me that God is in tune with us, that cares about us, but he doesn't come to those who don't need him. He comes to those who recognize their need for him. Emptiness is a measurement, and emptiness is power. You wouldn't think that emptiness would actually be power, but emptiness is power. 
I'll, I'll show you this because I, I think this is gonna set somebody free today. In, in verse two, we, we read this already, but it's really interesting what it says. It says, Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. The thing that she used to fill all of those jars was the thing that she said was nothing. She said, I don't have anything except, what do you have? What do you have in your house? Well, I can't help anybody. All I have, what was that? What? Well, I, I can't encourage anybody. All I've done is, what? What, what is it? The except. Well, I, I would try to counsel other people except, I, what, what was it? What was the except? Because God's not looking for your pedigree. God's not looking for your PhD. God's not looking for all of your calculations. God's not looking for all your achievements. God's not looking for all of the things that we would look for externally. God is looking for space. He is not looking for talent. He is not looking for gifting. He is not looking for ability. He is not looking for pure and spotless record. He is not looking for people who have never failed or never sinned. God is and always will be drawn to space. Which means that not gifted people can be used mightily by God. Because it's not about their gifting, it's about their... In fact, I've found that God will use less gifted people more because they recognize their space. I've seen very talented people that can't be used by God very much because they don't understand why their talent doesn't work in the kingdom of God. And I'm just gonna tell you, God's supernatural power will always trump your natural ability. So no matter how great you are naturally, the supernatural power of God is always greater. So you could be the most gifted, talented, most intellectual person on the planet, and you can't even come close to what God can do with someone who's been through pain, been through loss, all kinds of lack, bad personality, barely gifted, but need God. If you, don't, if you can't identify your need for God, you need to search and find that place where you say, God, I need you. And this is what this text says. It says, even though her perspective was that she had nothing in her house, God used her except. He used the small jar of oil to save her family. And I want you to know this, whatever your except is, that is the thing that God is going to use, not just for you, but all the people around you. Ch check this out. You have to create space, not just for you, but you gotta create space for everyone you're called to. Our perspective is, let's just get enough for our family. That's what her perspective was. Let's just get enough for my family, fill up the house. But the oil was still ready to flow. And this is interesting, what was the oil flowing from? Her small jar of oil, her except. What's your perspective of what you have in your house? I'm talking, like, what do you have? Well, I don't know if God can use me. Uh, I don't really have anything. Uh, all I have is, what, what is that? All I've been through is a lot of pain. Guess what? A lot of people have been through a lot of pain. They need, they need a survivor. They need somebody that went through it. You can help them. Well, all I've been is had some rebellious kids. Well, did you survive? Other people have rebellious kids. You might need to encourage someone. 
Well, I would get marriage counseling, but it's been a journey these last 37 years. You made it 37 years? Help somebody. You're except we disqualify ourselves because of natural qualifications. But God is not looking for your perfect track record. God is looking for a heart that says, I'm making space for you, God. I need you. I need your power. I need your ability. Use me if you can. That would be the greatest challenge that you could ever give God. Use me if I can. I'll step out. I'll believe. I'll take a risk. God, use me if you can. God thrives in using what's left. In using what's left. Empty equals a place of lack, and your accept equals whatever you have left. When I was, when I was young, I had a speech impediment, and uh, I couldn't say my R's. And I went to speech class, and it was really early on in my life, and I was super young, and I still remember the school, the classroom, Mrs. McCormick, still remember, and I remember all the drills that she made me do around the rugged rock, the rugged rascal ran over and over and over again, so I can try to say girl instead of goal. You know, it's important to me. Wanted to say power instead of Powell. Yeah, I just, you know, it's just, it's important as a young man. Um, and, and so I went through these classes and they helped correct my speech. And I could talk clearly and I could say my R's and I could all do all my drills and, and I, I, felt, I felt good about it. So they fixed what was wrong with me externally, but there was still doubt internally. So I found even in social situations when I was talking to people now as a teenager, I would begin to think in my mind, I wonder what they're hearing. Maybe I shouldn't talk. Maybe I shouldn't like, do they even want to hear what I have to say or are they making fun of me in their heads? Because when I was super young, I remember a couple instances where people made fun of me because I couldn't say my R's. And, and, and that was like branded in my head and even though I corrected it early on, the problem was gone but the condition remained. And so now I'm getting older and when I'm talking to people, I'm wondering if they don't want to hear what I have to say. And then I turn 16 and I have an encounter with God and I get asked to preach for the very first time. The problem with preaching is that I didn't like talking. <laughs> Much less in front of people. And I remember the first time I ever, I was so nervous and I went up and we had this upstairs bathroom in this old church and, and, and I was like, oh man, I'm looking in the mirror, I'm like, God, please, you have to help me, you have to help me. And I leaned against the bathroom counter, I'm looking at myself like, come on, Dustin, you can do this. And I, and I stepped away and sometimes people leave the counter wet. <laughs> first time preaching. And I'm like, But luckily I had my shirt tucked in, so I untucked my shirt, stretched it out real long, went out there, and I preached. And I think God used me, and I think people got touched, but there was two conversations going on as I preached. One was what I felt like God was saying, and the other one was what I thought people were thinking. It's crazy how it can happen simultaneously. 
that I'm trying to do what God's asked me to do, but at the same time in the back of my head, I'm hearing they're not listening. They don't care. They think you're too young. Your pants are too short. You're, I, I, I can hear it. I, can, I don't know if that was just right now or then. And 10% off. I, I, I could hear, I, I could hear it in my head. Now what's, what's, what's crazy about it is that after I got done preaching, everyone's like, oh, that was so powerful, that was amazing. But I went home and I went in my bedroom and I turned the lights off and I was plagued with insecurity. Thinking, why did I say that? What did it, what did it sound like when I said that? I wonder if it came across that way. And then I'm like trying to figure out what God's gonna do with my life and it seems like the thing that I had disqualified myself in is the thing that he decided he wanted to use. Because if someone would have asked me, hey, like, what do you have in your house? I would say, I'll do anything except preach. So God says, ooh, we have an accept, right? Because I'll do anything. Like, I'm a good, I can motivate people. I can, like, work hard. I can set up the chairs. I'm a good janitor. Like, I can do a lot of things really well. Just accept, don't make me speak. And, and I knew I could, I could do it somewhat, but, but it wasn't worth for me the plague of insecurity and thoughts that I would have to fight through after I did it. I'll be real honest with you. I still feel it sometimes. After a Sunday... I still go home sometimes. You know, people say to me all the time, it's like, you must hear all the time how good of a job you're doing. Like, all I can hear, and many of you know this, it doesn't matter what people say, if in your own head you discredit them. And sometimes the same voice at 38 is the same voice that tried to get in my way at 16 that says, ah, oh, they don't want to hear what you have to say. Oh, that wasn't good enough. Why did you say it that way? Why did you say it this way? Why did you, why were you so excited? Why were you so quiet? Why were you so loud? Why thoughts? And what's wild to me is God chose the accept to be the thing that he used. It was almost as if he knew if he used that part, then I could never say it was my talent. Because if, it was, if I was always gifted, if I had no insecurity, if I had no lack of confidence, and I thought I was just real good, I might get up here and think that what I'm doing is because I'm real good. I might think that it was just because I'm anointed, and I'm special, and I have something. But because it was my accept, Every time I get up, I just say, thank you, God, for using me because I know it's you because I knew I couldn't do it on my own and, and I don't feel confident in doing it in my own ability. I needed you and you came through. And every Sunday and every time I preach, I thank God because I know what God's doing through me. It's not about me and not about my ability and not about a talent. It's about God and the oil that flows into a place of space. Reminds me of a, of a scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I feel the power of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, it says, But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in my weaknesses. Do you know how we usually read that? 
your power is made perfect in my power. Nope, that's not what it said. His power is made perfect in the areas you don't have power. That's why. Because you don't need, let me just say this, there's no space where you have talent. There's no space where you have it all together. There's no, and I know the world looks at what we have and how we have it together, but I'm gonna tell you, if you wanna be used by God, you have to be okay with space. Steps of faith. Obedience when you don't feel like it. Obedience when you don't know what's on the other side. Faith. Faith. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. I'm going to tell you this. Many of you in this room, you have discredited things that God has given you. And your emptiness in an area is actually God's power. It's an opportunity. It's a measurement of what God's about to do in your life. You have a lot of emptiness. Stop being discouraged. Start getting encouraged. Look at all this space. Space is the best thing you can have when you're approaching a loving God. Emptiness is the best thing you can have when approaching the thing you thought disqualified you actually sets you up to about to be used by God in a supernatural way. God's always had a history of using people that the world didn't think he should use. I'm gonna tell you, the world can't stop the power of God. Culture can't stop what God's doing. I'm I'm gonna tell you, in this church, we believe God's raising people up to identify what's in them. People tell me all kinds of things, like you should dress different, you should have church different, you should be more calm. I'm gonna tell you, this a loud church, we're always gonna be a loud church. We love Jesus with all our heart, it's always gonna be that way. We're radical, we love the presence of God, we love the power of God. I don't care if it's popular, I don't care if it's culturally relevant. I believe that in the place of my space, God's power is released, and God wants more for you than just check the box Christianity. God wants to peel back the layers and show you wherever you have space he has oil so wherever I create space you went through a hard time last week that's space you're gonna start tithing this month that's space you're gonna love your neighbor that's space you're gonna forgive that person that hurts you that's that's space you're gonna lead a group next semester that's that's space the steps of faith are containers in which the oil, what's the oil? The oil is whatever you need. For her it was oil, but it's resource for you. What do you need? Confidence, that's what's coming. Hope, that's what's coming. Joy, that's what's coming. Provision, that's whatever you need. If you make space for, God will fill it. If you can make space, God has oil. Let me say that this way, according to the scripture, God's grace is sufficient for you. If you have space, God has grace. His power is made perfect in my weakness. 